strangers to acknowledging the harder parts of life. No strangers to ignoring the parts of God, like the man of sorrows, the man who's crucified, the things that really grieve us as a world. But this morning, we're going to be focusing on some songs that are about joy, about remembering the faithfulness of God, about remembering all that he has done for us and proclaiming that there is no one on this earth like him, no one that we have sought for. I was reminded this week of some of y'all uh, millennials or people who love some early 2000s music might remember this. There was a song when I was growing up called More to Life by Stacey Arico. Christian artist, surprisingly. Um, but she, there was that, the chorus of that song was that there's got to be more to life than searching for some temporary high. And it's, um, it reminded me that there are so many people in the world that are looking for something more. And the more that they have been looking for is something that we've already found. And we can so easily take that for granted. That's something that people are intrinsically yearning, craving for every second of the day is something and someone that is with us every second of the day. So I want that gratitude to be our fuel today as we sing, as we worship, as we move, as we clap, as we lift our hands, as we sing these words that are not just mere repetition of what's on the screen. But they are declarations of what God has done for each and every one of us this morning. So we're not going to pray. We're just going to go right into it. So Tom, can you cue us? But remember, church, that we have searched and found for something that God has done extraordinarily for us. Who else can heal all our sins and diseases? 
lots of oxygen to you. Oh, I only the rocks cry out in my place. We will join with all creation singing. We return the breath you gave.
Let everything inside us, Lord. Oh, we bless your name. Oh, the breath that we have, we give it back to you. Everything inside of us, Lord. Everything, Lord God. You said let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Today we have breath. Today breath is such a gift from you. It it is life inside of us and we want to give it back to you, that life, that breath, that praise that you deserve, not because of what you do, but because of who you are. You are amazing, God. You are sovereign. You are true. You are great. You are grace. You are mercy. You are provision. You are peace. You are joy and self, Lord God. We give you back to you. We join in with the angels that are bowing down before your throne and saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. The whole earth, Daddy, is filled with your glory. Let that be our heart's praise today. Everything within us, Lord God, everything in our hearts, everything in our mind, everything that's trying to distract us, everything that's trying to give focus from us, everything that's trying to bring guilt to us, everything that's trying to bring shame to us, let it bring glory to your name in Jesus. Today we proclaim, Jesus, that by your stripes we're healed, inside and out. That there's no brokenness, there's no addiction, that there's no guilt, that there's no hopelessness that Jesus' love can't shatter right now. By your stripes, we are healed. And we're going to give you the glory. Come on, soul, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. All that is within me. Come on, church. Let's break away from some tradition. Let's break away from from fear. Come on, everything that is inside of me, bless his holy name. Lord God, we love you. We praise you. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in the name of Jesus. Come on, together, let us hide the power of agreement and say, so be it. Amen. And amen, let's praise Him for a moment. Take a moment to praise Him. Say thank you, Jesus, for goodness and grace. Hallelujah. Woo. Oh, man, back, back in my younger days, we used to sing, Can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like the Lord. That was good today, Jake. You brought me back old school, because can't nobody do me like Jesus. I've searched, did you, did you get what you sang today? I've searched and I've found that there's no one like Jesus. Man, my prayer today is that moves out of the theology of truth into the reality of truth. Because there's so much of life that gets filled up with so many things other than Jesus. And he really is the fullness of life itself. The Bible says the fullness of God was inside of Jesus. And that same Jesus came to give you and I the fullness of life. What a beautiful God we serve. I am so glad that you came into the house today. There's something powerful. You know, I always love the fact, look, I love, I love our online community. Guys, we love you. If you're at home today or on vacation, we love you. We're so glad that you're hopping in today with us. It's awesome. But you know, there's something about being in the house. There's something about it. 
There's something about when you come in tired and someone next to you didn't. And you got Shayla jamming up here and you're like, I can jam a little bit. John and I were talking before about doing the, the Jake was saying about the, the, the middle school two-step, right? We get the, we get the middle school two-step. It's all right, however you praise God, praise Him. There's something that happens when you come together. There's power in worship together. We come in tired and something stirs. We, we come in distracted and something gets changed. We, we, we come in sick and something gets healed. There's something that happens in worship. It's not because we bring it, it's because he brings it when he shows up. Don't ever get it twisted. Worship's not about the song or the lyrics. Worship is about his presence and how we love him back in the midst of it. That's why we lift our hands. That's why we clap. That's why we dance, because that's what God's doing. We're just echoing God. I'm so glad that you are here today because you're echoing him by being present. He's present. You're present. Come on, you're in a good spot. So I just want to just take a moment. Look, if this is your first or second time at Connect, welcome. We're so glad to have you as our guest today. I want to encourage you to truly consider making this your home, your home, a place for you to get connected and join in with what God's doing. You know, here at church, we don't have uh, members. We have partners, and we're going to be having, we're going to be talking a little bit more about that in the fall uh, as that comes up. But you don't have to wait for partnership class to partner with what God is doing in this house. That's about our heart. And so today, I want to encourage you to partner with what God's doing. Bring faith to this moment. Bring faith. Bring faith. Bring faith to this moment. Do you believe my God is the God of the impossible? Do you believe that our God is sovereign Lord over everything? That Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords? That at His name, everybody, everything will bow, visible and invisible. That means there's some stuff going on in your body you can't see, but he can, and it still has to bow to him. That's faith. Well, man, I want to encourage you. I know that there's all sorts of still pandemic stuff going on, and I'm sure we can't say that word any longer. I don't know what to say. Uh, Monkey pox. Sorts of craziness out there in the world. But I'm so glad that we still serve a healer. We serve a sovereign God. We serve a sovereign God. Look. I don't need to deny the reality of something going on in my body to proclaim the sovereignty of the king over my body. Let me say that again. I don't need to deny the reality of something in my body to proclaim the sovereignty of my God over my body. My God's sovereign. So hey, as you're being seated, before you're seated, just turn to somebody, say hi to them, introduce yourself, say hello if you know them, ask them how their week's doing. You just bless them, pray over some, just say hi to somebody. Can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like the Lord. Come on, Patrick. Hey! Can't nobody. Mm. I'll be singing that all day today. That's good stuff. Ah. Man, we walked in this morning to worship. We walked in and the, the worship team was worshiping. And they were doing that first uh, worship song. And, and there, it just lit this place. There's something that happens. Can I really encourage you? Uh, maybe consider coming a few minutes early and just getting into worship here. Bring in the house. Come a little bit early and get in some prayer time. And just start besieging heaven with what God's doing. And whoo, 
There are two things before we hop into the Word today, because I really want to get into the Word today, but there's two things I want to encourage you to consider, if you would consider, as part of uh, what God's doing and what God has. One is personal for your life and for your family and for your future, and that is consider, if you would, joining one of our men and women's discipleship groups during the week, which is called Forge for Men, Shoulder to Shoulder. It's, uh, we, we meet for about an hour every week. It's just helping. We, 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 the teaching's on video. It's getting into the Word, deeper into the truth, getting the Word inside of us. But the truth is we need each other because there are things you can't go through on your own. And so this is just a part of that. And so you can go to our link tree and find out all the information about that. And, but, but I really want to, if you consider this your home, Danielle and I don't want to just preach with you. We want to disciple your life. And that's, that's what God's called us to do and what church is about. The second thing that I want to ask you to prayerfully consider is something that helps us do what we do as a church and reach even more people in our world um, through what we do at the food truck, which goes out, Thy Kingdom of Crumb, our food truck that goes out every week, uh, whether through a curbside or a truck event. And uh, in October, late October, we're having a 5K uh, fun run at Cooper River. It's right across the street. Um, and so look, you, you don't even have to run. You don't have to be a runner. Like, I'm signed up. I'm going to get a golf cart, right? If you're outside, like, you can bring out the kids. You can walk. You, maybe you have some friends that are, that are runners. Maybe you have uh, some, some people, your coworkers you can talk about. Look, the truth is, the more people that we have involved in these things, the more that we can do. Because TKC is not covered by just, you know, the, the idea of TKC. It's covered when people like us in our partnerships with Partners who give with food, partners who give with money, partners who give with prayer, partners who bring other connections. That's what we do. And so I want to ask you to consider being a part of those two things in whatever way God really lays on your heart to be a part of it. Because that's, what we t- that's part of what we talk about doing life together. We-, we can't be in everybody's house every moment. We can't be at everyone's job. We can't be at everyone's uh, family get-together. But we certainly can actually do certain things together that make a difference in our world. Discipleship is one of those things. So is TKC. Loving people with the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? Awesome. Hey, are you ready for the word today? I'm ready for the word today, especially kind of after last week. I was telling Dia, I'm ready for the word this week. Um, if you, since you have your Bible, can you open with me to the book of Matthew? Matthew chapter 12. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew is a disciple of Jesus Christ. He was a tax collector, right? That means he was part of the kind of the mafia at the time. And, uh, and, he, and Jesus comes. He's sitting at, doing his business. And he's like, come on, come follow me. And Matthew gets up and his life has changed. Well, what, what's so encouraging to me about Matthew is that it actually shows that no matter what you've done and where you've been, no matter what your life has gone through, man, my God is a redeemer. My God is a restorer. My God can change who you are, not just what you do, but who you are. It's so powerful because sometimes we see Matthew as, well, that's St. Matthew. He wrote the gospel. Dude, he was a mafia tax collector. He had a past. Anybody in here have a past? I got both hands up and a foot, Right? My God is a redeemer. The beautiful thing, too, by the way, is Matthew didn't need to straighten his life up before he came to Jesus. Jesus just said, come and follow me, and he got up and went. You don't have to get right first. You just come. 
If you need a title for today's message, it's make it a full house. Make it a full house. There's a power in a full house. I don't know about you, but at times my life seems very full, full to the oppression of fullness. Have you ever felt like your life is so full that maybe you can't even breathe? You don't even have time to breathe. Man, there's so much going on. Life is so full that you can't even breathe. I mean, I feel that way so often. I, I hear that from people so often. Pastor, my life, I'd like to be a part of things. My life is just so full. Maybe we're a parent in this room and our life is full by like running all over creation, taking our kids to all of the activities that kids have in today's world. Or maybe you've got, you're holding down two or three jobs because you got to pay the bills. Come on, maybe your life is just, maybe our life is just full because we, you know, we, we, we've got uh, obligations with friends and family and we're, we're going to the gym and we've got to make time for shopping and doing the laundry or studying or just trying to get re- reply to texts. And emails and calls that we get during the day can make us seem so full. Does, any, does anyone feel like the life at times is full? But also, can we be honest? If we're really honest, doesn't our life sometimes feel empty as well? It can be so full and so empty at the same time. And I think this is all part of the illusion that our world is selling us. That the more that we have or do, the more that we get involved in, the the better our life is. And yet we're filling our time and we're filling our attention and we're filling our desires, but we're not really filling our lives. And, And I know right now when I said that, our soul is saying, Pastor, you're crazy. My life is so full. I don't even know if I could add any one more thing to it. It's so full. That's because maybe... Because our world is having us incorrectly define life. I have such a full life. But John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am life. Jesus defines life by his presence, by who he is, by what God is doing, by what his presence can make us be and have. It's the life that he came to give us. So the real question maybe that we need to wrestle with today is how full is that life? Or maybe how empty? Because in the text that we're talking about today, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to that that time church people. He's talking to the religious crowd of the day. And he's talking to them about the trap and the danger of this type of life. How especially for, even for men and women of faith, that we can find ourselves quickly in increasing levels of oppression. Spiritual oppression, mental oppression, emotional oppression. Come on, has anyone ever felt like, man, my life is just so heavy. I'm so empty. I'm so tired. I'm mentally, emotional. anybody like, I am exhausted at times. And we find ourselves lacking the freedom and the wholeness that the gospel can bring. Don't get me wrong. We find ourselves in church. And we can find ourselves being a Christian. I mean, going to heaven. It's not that we're not going to go to heaven. But we still can find ourselves trapped in the oppression of emptiness. 
And if you've ever, if you're finding yourself feeling like that today or ever find yourself feeling like that, I want to tell you there's hope. There's hope in it. There's hope. It's found maybe in this verse. Can we look at this together? We're going to start in verse 43. The Bible says, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house. He's talking about the man, the the, the man or woman from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. You can underline that. It's put in order. It's clean, right? Mr. Clean came, cleaned it all out. Some of you are real good cleaners, but it's empty. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Now, first, let me just say this, that Jesus is not simply teaching us about uh, the, uh, the activity of the spiritual world, right? Now, don't get me wrong. That's true. There's a spiritual world, and there is the demonic. There is the angelic. There are things that happen in that world. But Jesus is actually using this as an example to actually teach us how our lives can appear one way on the outside, but actually completely different on the inside. He's speaking here to the Pharisees, and he's saying this to the Pharisees whose life is absolutely put in order. It's religious order. Matter of fact, they pride themselves on being clean. Uh, uh, According to the law, according to traditions, man, they did everything they could to make sure their life was clean. But they were still empty. Matter of fact, Jesus says that they're whitewashed tombs. They're beautiful on the inside, but there's nothing on the inside actually worth noticing. Because they were not filling themselves with the things of God. They were not filling themselves with the truth, with the Holy Spirit, with the life that the Messiah was bringing to them. They weren't filled with what God was trying to do in them. And so the result of their life was increasing bondage, increasing oppression, increasing frustration. Jesus says it's just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. Man, they must have been disappointed. They must have felt the disappointment, and I know sometimes I do, and maybe you're like me a little bit. They must have felt like, God, why is my life like this when I've given up so much for you? Man, I've started church, I've done this, I've given up that, I've served here, I've done that. God, why is my life still feeling so empty inside? Why am I still feeling oppressed at times? And I think the truth is that this is the trap that modern Christianity brings. The trap that modern Christianity brings is believing that God is calling us to simply have a clean life and not a full life. A clean life, but not a full life. That's why Jesus is trying to stop us from defining fullness through the busyness of schedule or the busyness of activity or the busyness of possessions, but by, by the presence of the fruit of the Spirit in our life, the presence of the gifts of the Spirit, the presence of God, the presence of His purpose, the presence of His power, by His Word, His way, His will actually being present in our life. Not intellectually like the Pharisees, Not traditionally, like the Pharisees. He's saying, in reality, the presence of God being filled in our life. That's how we have to define life. 
Now the beautiful thing about this, this is what's so beautiful about this, is that that is actually Jesus' desire. Like what's really cool is that when you grab a hold of that, you're not fighting against God, you have God fighting for you. Jesus wants to fill every part of our life, that's fullness. Matter of fact, Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone opens up the door, he initiates, but if anyone opens the door, I will come into him and I'll dine with him. He's saying, man, what was once empty inside of you, I can fill. When he's talking about dining, he's talking about setting up a table that is lush and abundant with the things of God, the wedding feast of the Lamb. Come on, the Bible tells me in Psalm 23, when God is my shepherd, when the Lord is my shepherd, that he will set up a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Come on, he desires to fill the house. He doesn't just want to make us clean. He wants to make sure we're not empty. Matter of fact, right before this verse in Matthew 12, 35, Jesus says this. I love this verse. He says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings out good things. This means, by the way, this is the context of the verse Jesus is teaching in. This means that we have to put good things into our heart. Why? Because Jeremiah 17, 9 says, a heart left unchecked is deceitful above all things. And increasingly wicked. So if we're going to get good things out of a once deceitful heart, we have to put good things in first. There has to be good things that are treasured inside of us before they come out of us. So we can't just take out the trash. We have to set the table. We have to purpose in our lives, my friends, to bring the things of God into our lives. That means it's going to require time and focus and energy and, 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 and our desires. That's why if, if we fill those things with other things, if we fill our time, if we fill our attention, if we fill our desires, if we fill all our energy with other things, our table remains empty. It's why there's an emptiness. And maybe you've never felt empty. But I can tell you after walking with God for lots of years, there still is senses of emptiness in my life. That's why the table remains empty. And I think the challenge is, especially in our modern day of religion, and, and the way that the modern church has taught us to look at church and look at God, is that believers, we've been taught that, that, that believers should place more value on what isn't present than what is. It's why, it's why we, we, we talk about what we're not what we used to be. I, I, don't, I don't do that any longer. And the allure of that for you and I, the allure is that that's actually what we can control. I can control what I present to you of what I'm not any longer. But isn't that what magicians do? Magicians set the stage so that they can direct the audience's attention in a certain direction so that they do not see the illusion that is going on behind the curtain. That's what religion does. That's, the, that, that's, what, that, that's what some parts of modern Christianity is teaching us to do. Just to talk about what we're not. To edify all the things that we would never do. I would never say that. I would never be like that person. I can't believe that goes on. And it's an entire distraction away from the man behind the curtain. But like in Oz, God sees the man behind the curtain. 
This is the type of life that Cain offers to God. In Genesis chapter 4, the Bible says Cain, Abel, brings the uh, first fruit of the flock. He brings his lamb. Cain just brings veggies and fruit from the ground. And he comes to God and says, God, this should be acceptable to you. This, look, look what I'm bringing to you. I'm setting the table on what should be important to you. So let me tell you what I'm bringing you that should be important to you. And God says, but I don't see my presence in it. I don't see the lamb. The lamb is missing. I'm really glad that you cleaned up the veggies before you brought them. I'm really glad you washed off the fruit before you made it an offering. But the lamb is missing. But the lamb is missing. But the lamb is missing. Come on, that's what, we cannot just clean up the dirt on our life. We, we cannot just wash off some things and bring it to God. God is not looking for where the dirt has been washed off. God is looking for the presence of the lamb in our lives. Where's the lamb? Where's the lamb? I'm not looking for what you don't have. I'm looking for what you should have. And the issue is in our lives, if we're honest, that this kind of culture is reinforced by our culture. In our world, where everything is permissible as long as, as long as it does not contain whatever makes us uncomfortable or whatever actually may reveal the true man behind the curtain. Like everything's permissible as long as we don't talk about privilege. I'm willing to have any conversation with you as long as it doesn't contain any talk about social justice. I'm good at going anywhere. I'm going to be a part of, uh, of church as long as it doesn't have those people. Because all that reveals the real man behind the curtain. We have this at TKC all the time. People will be like, um, hey, can you bring the truck out to be a part of what we're doing? Can you bring it out to the office? And we, well, you can have it in the parking lot. That's awesome. But can we just ask you maybe not to do the Jesus stuff? And I'm like, No! The lamb is missing. The lamb is what makes it. That's like going to an ice cream parlor asking for an ice cream sundae without the ice cream. All you've got is a bowl of toppings. Now that ain't bad. Come on, but that ain't a sundae. Some of you are like, that sounds good. Hurry up and stop preaching. See, this culture causes us to value, make a value determination by subtraction rather than by addition. That's why the temptation we feel when we feel like life is full is to, is to subtract things from it rather than add him to it. Because by our very definition of life, life then becomes the enemy. Man, there's too much going on in my life. And that's activities or obligations or desires or stuff we've got to do. Come on. That's how we've defined life. But when we define life by Jesus, we cannot determine value by subtraction, but value by addition. It's what we are becoming. It's what God's doing. That's the value of the full house. Ephesians 5.18 is a verse like this. It says, uh, and do not get drunk on wine, right? And like, usually we stop there. We're like, yeah, I'm good. Amen, hallelujah. Man, when I came to Jesus, stop drinking. Don't do that anymore. I, I just, I, I cleaned up my life. I'm good. I don't do that. But do you know that's not the context of that verse? 
The verse says, but rather, which means there's something more important than that, but rather be filled. That Greek word means continual action. Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. It's repentance takes my sin away. But his presence fills my life and transforms it. Yes, we have a subtraction moment, but we are called to have a life event. It is his presence that brings these things. You know what I found interesting is in that uh, text in Matthew that the word in order, in order, is the Greek word cosmeo. It's where we get the word cosmetics from. It's the covering over of the flaws to make something appear more beautiful than it actually is. Mm. <laughs> Everybody look straight ahead. Don't look at your neighbor. <laughs> straight ahead. I don't know if you do this. I don't know if you do this, but I think you probably do. I do this. Um, there are things in my house that need fixing that I'm okay not fixing. Or there are piles, come on somebody, that are in your house that you're okay with, right? My wife calls them Kyle piles, right? There are Kyle piles that you leave there, what, until a guest is coming over. And then you're like Bob the Builder, you're fixing everything. Like the other day, we had Lee, uh, Pastor Lisa and Pastor Kevin over, and, uh, and man, before they came, I was out there weeding in the garden, right? I was putting furniture out by the pool. I ran to the bakery to get cakes and sweets. Why? Because I wanted them to believe this is how we live all the time. Oh, I'm the only one who does this? Liars in this place. But maybe the trap for us is that we've made Sunday the time to simply put away the Kyle piles. That's Cosmeo. I was reading the other day an article about some housing, some suburbs in the wealth, uh, um, uh, some houses in the wealthy suburbs of LA. And they were talking about how beautiful these houses are, right? They're magnificent and how they have the grandeur of their gardens out front and the, the gates that are there and how they park all these luxury cars in the driveway. But there's, the interior is completely empty. There is nothing at all inside the houses. Why? Because that's the only thing that people can see when they drive by on the outside. Because they never intend to have anybody ever enter their house. Mm. But how easy is Christianity when we don't actually intend to have anybody enter into our lives? When we can pe keep people at the distance that we want. When we aren't ever going to really allow anybody to come in and go beyond the veil. The illusion in these houses gives them the validation without the expense of the renovation needed. They're clean, but they're empty. This is Christianity without discipleship. Clean, but empty. What we can get rid of, but we have no power to put inside. See, but the reality is, my friends, Jesus tells us that this kind of life leaves us open for oppression and for bondage. With a life that 
that has the appearance of godliness but lacks any power to keep our soul, our inner man, our inner woman, our, our fallen humanity, our mind, our will and emotions in check when it gets pushed upon. We have those realities come and we don't have the power to actually restrain them inside of us. That's why we feel empty. That's why we feel guilty that we should be further along than where we are in life. We see this in Samson. I know we talked a little bit about him last week, but Samson on the outside was a man of power. He was a religious man. He kept, he lived with a Nazarite vow. That means that he couldn't cut his hair, he couldn't drink alcohol, he couldn't hang out with certain people, he couldn't do certain things. It was all about what was not present in his life. It was all cosmeo. But he was so strong on the outside, but he was a weakling on the inside. So that when his soul, when his emotions, when his mind, when the things that were inside of him started getting vexed, when they started getting pressed on, when they started getting squeezed by a woman by, named by Delilah, uh, Judges 16, 16 says, his soul was vexed to death. He had nothing inside of him to rise up and say no. To rise up and fight that off. To rise up and say, I'm a man of God. That's not where I'm going. He had a strong outside, but nothing on the inside. And it led him to blindness and bondage. Not because he wasn't called, not because he wasn't empowered, and not because he wasn't appointed by God, but because he was clean but empty. Now, I want to tell you the great news about that story is that because our God is great and he's full of grace, come on, the amazing thing about God's grace is he'll always give you another go at it. Like verse 22 says, and the stubble on his hair started to grow back. Come on. Some of you, some of us re- need to realize if we've been away from God, if, 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 our, if our inside's been empty for a while, my God is a God of the stubble. He's growing. He's willing to grow back the thing that you lost to get you out of the bondage. The bondage you're in does not have to be the bondage you live in. Because my God is a God that regrows the stubble. The truth is, my friends, that discipleship is not simply about having a clean house, but a house full of spiritual furniture. This is why Jesus is so clear here. It's not just kind of to point out hypocrisy or because he's upset with us or wants to shame us. That's not it at all. He is clear here because of his vast love for you and I, his desire for us to live in the freedom that he purchased on the cross, his passion to not see the enemy have even one inch of space in our lives. It is his desire to see us walk in health and not bondage, hope and not frustration, to walk in his fullness and not exist in emptiness just to get to heaven, clean but empty, saved but powerless. We were talking about this the other night in our Forge group. We were saying, man, we can't just stay at health. We have to move into holiness. We can't just stay at health. Like, all right, I'm, I'm not doing those things anymore. It's not simply about cleaning up our lives. It's one thing to clean up our life. It's another thing to fill our lives with the things of God. To fill them. Man, can I really encourage you? You and I need to start being like Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid. If you're not a Sixers fan, become one. Um, uh, Joel Embiid. Because, because sometimes we got to box out things. 
We got to learn to box out. You got to throw your big butt in the way. Box out some of your flesh. Box out some of the emotions. Box out, box out some of the enemy. Get under the basket of your destiny. Get under the basket of God's pur- purpose. Get under the, the basket of God's presence and throw the big butt in the way and not give the enemy any room to set up camp. Come on. Somebody say box out. Come on. That's what Hannah did. I love Hannah in 1 Samuel 1. She was in a good relationship. She was married to a good man. If I could just be married to a good man. If I could just be married to a good man, I'd be happy. No. No. She was married to a good man, was not happy. Do you know why she was not happy? Because she had no children. Because the thing that God had given her to be filled was empty. Because the thing God had given her to be filled was empty. She wasn't happy just having a life. She wanted to have the fullness of what God promised. So she does, is not satisfied. She goes into the temple and she starts crying out to God like a crazy woman. Man, she is crying out so passionately, the priest thinks that she is drunk. She's not drunk. She's passionate about God filling what is once empty. And when he hears her and responds, as my king always does, the thing that filled her came out of her and blessed the world. It's not just about getting out of depression. It's about getting into joy. It's not just about getting out of brokenness. It's getting into wholeness. It's not just about getting out of that chaotic relationship, but about learning to be moved by the power of peace. It's not just getting out of walking in addiction, but learning to walk in authority. Jesus, in John chapter 14, He's talking about the house God is preparing. He says, my father is preparing a house, and I'm going to go prepare a room for you. That means God is working on rooms on the inside of his house. He's already filling the inside of our house because he knows we're on the way. He is preparing something. Come on. He is preparing something before we get there. There's work going on on the inside. Come on. Because he knows there's people coming on the outside who are going to need it. The Pharisees had a clean house. Matter of fact, in certain times, we've talked about it at Passover, when they wouldn't even allow one speck of leaven to be in their house. They wouldn't allow certain people in their house. They wouldn't eat with Gentiles. They wouldn't eat with unclean people. They made sure that they washed properly and only ate kosher foods. But they were not filling their homes with the presence of Jesus. So, when the presence of Jesus was there, they they began to become conflicted and confrontational about the fullness of his presence in their house. Does that sound familiar? When God shows, I want to do this, and and I want to do this, and I want to do this, when his presence has not been there previously, there says, whoa, you're asking me to do too much, you're asking me to go too far, you're asking me too much, God, I've already, I'm already eating kosher, I'm already got rid of the leaven, I've already washed my hands well, he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm not talking about what you don't have in your house, I'm talking about what you should have in your house. That's why both in our personal house and in our corporate house, the house of God, here, we need not only be void of uncleanliness, but we need to be filled with the presence of holiness, the presence of spiritual furniture. That's why it's so important that we all bring our spiritual gifts on a Sunday. We all bring our spiritual gifts into the house. It's why we need to bring the fruit of the Spirit and and our spiritual offerings into our world. But we cannot bring what we do not have. 
That's why when God is talking about the tithe in Malachi, he says, how can I take care of my people? Well, my notes just freaked out. I don't, it's, it's like craziness what happens sometimes when you touch this thing. We're getting there. Take a breath. Somebody say hello. I got it. He said, how can I take care of my people when my storehouse is empty? He's talking about his people not understanding the power of a full house. I think the danger in modern Christianity is that even when it comes to being in church, we often come not to be filled with spiritual furniture or to, or to allow the construction to go on in our hearts and in our minds. We, we come, the temptation that's in our life today is to come to consume, to become consumers. Because we already know we're spiritually hungry. We, we're already feeling empty, the lack that's inside of us. And we've been taught both internally and externally that consumption eases the pain. Consumption, like when you're hungry, eat something. Your belly will start, stop rumbling. Uh, if, if, if you're lonely or if you're, if you're down, go shopping. Uh, somebody say amen. You'll feel better. Go buy something. Consu we've, been we've been taught that when you're feeling a certain lack, consumption eases the pain. And so we come to church at times and we're looking for ways. Come on. We're looking for what will heal us. We're looking for what will bless us. We're looking for what will make us feel better in the moment. But my friends, that is us consuming the seed God is giving us rather than planting the seed. Letting the seed do the work it's called to do, which very often takes a long time in darkness, below the soil, has to do a lot of work when you don't see it. But at the end of it, we'll produce a harvest. And a harvest is always meant to fill a barn. I know I've told this story before, but uh, uh, one of my summer jobs in college was I worked on a hay farm. That is the hardest. Shout out to every farmer because you all work really hard. It's crazy. And it was such a hard job. But what I learned is that when we brought in the harvest, when we brought in the harvest, we would start at the bottom of the barn and fill it to the top. Then we'd move to the next barn, fill it from the bottom to the top, from the bottom to the top, from the bottom to the top. The harvest was meant to fill the barn. See, if the farmer would have consumed the seed, he would have filled his belly for a day, but he would not have been able to fill the barn for the season. Now, I'm not saying that that job was easy. Man, I was wearing long sleeves and long pants in the heat of the summer. Man, it was itchy. Hay gets everywhere. You get cut up, right? My, there were times my hands were bleeding. My muscles were aching. But my friends, we filled the barn for the season. Isn't that what Joseph does? When Joseph is in Egypt, he fills the barns during seven years of abundance because he knows there's seven years of lack coming. He positioned himself to have in his possession what others needed to survive. Including the people that hurt him, the people that betrayed him, the people that sold him into, into slavery, which was his dysfunctional family. Through the vision of God, he brought into his possession what he needed to provide for those who hurt him. That's why we talked about forgiveness last week. That's why we have to bring into our barn forgiveness. That's why we have to bring into our lives grace, 
mercy. The ability to work through reconciliation. Why? So that when that text comes, when that phone rings, when the door knocks, we already have in our possession what we need to give away that can bring life to somebody else. I love that in the Old Testament, God actually fills the inside of the tabernacle, the holy of holies, and the holy place with instruments of holiness and light, even though those outside of it would never see it. I love that he puts inside of the Ark of the Covenant something no one would ever see. He puts inside of the Ark, which is the presence of God, he puts inside of the Ark the Ten Commandments. He, he puts inside of the Ark the, the, the rod of God, the, the rod of Aaron that was budded. He puts inside of the Ark the manna, uh, the pot of manna from heaven. Why? Even though no one would ever see it. The people on the outside would never see it. The people would never be able to look inside of it. Why does he fill it? Because that's Jesus in there. He is actually giving us an example of our lives that Jesus should fill it even if no one ever sees it. He fills the inside. Jesus is the word that came down from heaven that was placed inside the ark. Jesus is the high priest that carries the rod of authority. Jesus is the bread of life that was the manna that came down from heaven. He was doing those things because he's making room for the outworking of his presence see God doesn't want anything to remain empty matter of fact from the beginning to the end we see it in Genesis 1 2 the Bible says when the world was empty and void God spoke into it and he created things that would bring forth his presence bring forth his kingdom multiply his blessing into the world when Mary's womb was empty he brought the spirit and filled it to overflowing so that what came out of the womb that he filled would change the world it was Jesus see as disciples we need to understand God's desire to fill every nook and cranny of this universe with his presence with his kingdom with his praise that's why Psalm 150 verse 6 says let everything that has breath praise the Lord this is why choosing discipleship choosing to seek holiness intentionally allowing God to be the interior decorator of our home is so essential My wife is like a phenomenal interior decorator, as you can see, she designed this place. I have total trust in her to design my house. I'm good. She's like, move this there. I'm like, okay. Move that there, okay. Because I already trust her. I don't even know what, she, I don't have to know what she's going to do. She doesn't have to explain the whole picture. Because I trust her. When you and I trust God, we allow him to become the interior decorator of our homes without seeing the whole picture. Just as we get ready to close, I want to give you one last amazing moment to help us see the power of this. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 22. David, the Bible says, leaves King Saul's presence and he goes and lives in the cave called Adullam. And when he was there, God brings, the Bible says, all these people who were discontent and in distress and in debt to, 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 to David. There were like 400 men in total. 
And David is the king, we know that. David is also a picture of Jesus, right? Uh, he is a, a king, but he's also an example of, a, of you and I, of a disciple. People who follow after God's own heart. But David came to the cave to protect himself from Saul. Do you remember that? Saul had been throwing spears at David. And the first one, he was like, all right, he, he laughed it off. The second one, he's like, I'm out of here. David came to the cave to protect himself from Saul, but God brought things to the cave to protect David's worship because he was attacked while he was in worship. Where the enemy attacked him was in the place of worship. So God brought things to David in the cave to protect his future and his worship. David was in an empty cave. He thought it was safer without something or someone being in it. But God didn't let it stay empty. God filled it, and then David had to steward what God brought to it for his glory. And those things that God had brought, those once discontented and dis, uh, dis, disregarded men became the mighty men of valor that changed a nation. It was because David was not satisfied with simply not being in the presence of Saul any longer. He understood what his calling and his anointed needed. By, so he filled his life with what God brought him and raised those things up and trained those things in righteousness. Isn't that what the word says we can do with the word? 2 Timothy 3.16 says the word is good for training our lives up in righteousness. So we get to train what God brings so that it becomes even bigger to help us worship who he is. David may not have known what those men were worth in the beginning, but God knew what was inside those men. We may not at first see the value of prayer or the value of spending time in his word or the value of forgiving others or the value of choosing holiness in this world but God does he's the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end he sees what is valuable through the lens of what he is he is not looking for cleaned up vegetables he's looking for the presence of the lamb come on those men are a picture of what God fills our life with. You can read about it. I don't have time today, but you can read about it in 2 Samuel 23. In verse 9 and 10 there, the Bible says the enemy comes to steal the harvest, David's harvest. He comes to steal David's harvest. And there was one man by the name of Eleazar who came out of the cave and fought the enemy. Even when everyone else ran away, he fought the enemy till his hand froze to the sword. He was unmovable in faith. He said, I don't care if no one else is going. I am going to be unmovable in my faith. Come on, one day, my friends, the enemy may come to try to steal your harvest. Steal the harvest of your family. Steal the harvest of your health. Steal the harvest of your hope. Steal the harvest of your peace. Come on. We might need a mighty man to come out from our cave to rise up and stand all day in our field and say, enemy, you've got no place here. You are a liar. You are not powerful enough my king is the king of kings something we need something to come out of us when the enemy comes after us that says i'm unmovable sometimes we might just need someone like an eleazar do you know eleazar means god is my helper we might need someone to come out of us to defy the enemy 
to stand in the gap of faith. When the enemy starts pulling out all his tricks and taunts us with with lack and fear and insecurity and shame, Eleazar should be coming out of the cave with shouts inside of us, but God is my helper, but God is my helper, but God is my helper. If God is for me, who can be against me? Greater is he that is inside of me than he that is in this world. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead now dwells inside of me. I am the head and not the tail. I am more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. Sometimes we need an Eleazar inside of us. But the Eleazar needs to be in the cave. The cave can't just be in order and empty. you got to raise it up. God might bring you some things that need to be trained up inside of you. You and I might end up like David. I know I am. I'm so proud. I'm so thankful for men in my life around me, some of them sitting in this room, who when I am spiritually thirsty, when I am parched, when I need a cup of water like David did in verse 16, that there were some men who said, don't worry, I got your back. And those men fought through the enemy, fought through all of the enemy's camp to bring David a cup of water. Do you know there were three men? The Bible says, Eleazar, God is my helper, stood alone. But, come on, but there were three men when he needed the water. There was three men. There's God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's faith, hope, and love. There's me, God, and church. Come on, a cord of three strands cannot be broken. Oh, it's easy. It's just me and Jesus. No, no, no. Me, God, and the church. Faith, hope, and love. God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We need it when life is dry and the situation is hot. When the heat is turned up and we are spiritually parched, we might need just three men in the cave to come out with us some water. Or maybe there's someone in our life that will be thirsty. Someone in our life is going to need men and women to come out of the cave. Someone in our life who the enemy is trying to steal their harvest. Someone in our marketplace, someone in the bedroom down the hall from you, someone in your class, someone on your friends list that the enemy's coming after and trying to steal, whose life is parsed. Maybe they need an Eleazar. Maybe they need one of the three men to say, I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to stand in the gap for you. I'm going to do life with you. I don't care that you don't have a drink. I'm going to be the one who you can count on to bring the drink. But if we don't have those, come on, somebody. We can't bring those. We cannot simply move away from Saul and live in the, the confines of the cave, swept clean but empty. We need to fill it with the righteousness and holiness and authority of God, the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the presence of our King. And when we fill our lives with His things, it truly is worship. When we fill our lives with His things, it blesses God. It's not just about what we get from it. It's about what we give to him with it. It's about saying, God, what matters to you matters to me. If this matters to you, it matters to me. There's power in a full house. Church, let me just say this. There is no time left, given the state of our world, given the labor pains that we are facing, giving what our children have to face growing up in this world. 
there is no time left for the church to be swept clean but empty. There's no time left for us to not already be in possession and put into possession the things in the cave so that when the enemy does come, we are filled with his presence and his purpose and his power. There is no time left to be clean but empty. It's time to actually get a full life. It's time to get a full life. We're just going to pray. Maybe you find yourself today clean, in order, religiously got everything together, looking great on the outside, but if you were honest, you're still feeling empty on the inside. It's not about cleaning the vegetables or washing the fruit. It's about the presence of the Lamb. Church, right here, right now, this entire message has been an altar call, a, a clarion call for the church of Jesus Christ, for Connect Church, for each one of us in this place today, to just take a moment and say, God, I don't want any longer to be clean and in order and seem like I got things together. I want to be filled with the presence and the purpose and the power of God. It needs Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to be crying out to the King. It's not about the five principles of prosperity, the six lessons to a better life. This is absolutely just getting down to, 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 to hard nails, saying, God, all I want is you. God, all I want is you. God, take away the distractions. God, all I want is you. God, I don't want to just live in the cave away from Saul. I want to live in the cave in the fullness of what you've brought. God, all I want is you. Church, maybe that just needs to be your prayer right here and right now. I'm going to pray in just a second. But can you just pray inside, God, all I want is you. Jesus, all I want is you. The Bible says, seek me and you'll find me. Ask and it shall be given. God, all I want is you. God, forgive me. Forgive me for being clean and in order but empty. God, I need you. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your spirit. Come on. I'm going to pray over you right now for the Holy Spirit to fill you from top to bottom. Because what we need in this coming hour of our world, what we need in this coming day that we're facing in our nation and in our world is more of the power of Jesus. The Bible says in the end times they will have the appearance of godliness but lack the power. Come on, I don't want to be clean. I don't want to just be in order. I want to be filled with the power of God. So the glory of God can come out. So that people who are in need of a cup of water can find the Spirit. Not just find theology. Not just find ideology. Not just find a better philosophy. But find the power of the living God in their life. 
Daddy, I pray. Can you guys just stand with me? I just want to pray over you. Just stand with me really quickly. Just stand with me. I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to move in this room. And if you are here and can echo what Paul says in Ephesians 5.18, to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. If you are asking God to fill you today, just lift up your hands. Just give Him some praise. Just say, God, here I am. I'm an, op- I'm an empty vessel. Come fill me up. I'm not asking you if it makes you comfortable. I'm asking you to do something uncomfortable and lift up your hands Holy Spirit you see the hands lifted around the room you see the empty vessels the hearts that need to be filled in the name of Jesus we pour out the living water into lives today Holy Spirit come give new gifts give new tongues give new fruit let it grow inside of us Lord God we are desperate for you we're desperate for a move of you we're desperate to be filled with you we're desperate to be set free by the power of the living God Holy Spirit come and move Holy Spirit come and move Holy Spirit, come and move. Come on. Just open up your mouth and ask Him. Say, Holy Spirit, come and move in me. Holy Spirit, come and move. There's nothing, there's something powerful about it. There's something great about the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I've come and get to give you my spirit. This isn't a foreign spirit. This is the same spirit that was in Jesus. Come on, Holy Spirit, we need you. We don't want to have the appearance of godliness but lack your power. Lord, we need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. Father, forgive us. Forgive us, God. Forgive us for filling our lives with so many things. Being distracted by the things that are not as if they were. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Holy, holy, holy. Come, come, come. Breathe a fresh breath on us. Holy Spirit, breathe a breath. Holy, holy, holy. I pray the presence of the Lamb in each person. The presence of the Lamb. The power of the King. The peace that only he can bring. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. When there's no peace, it's because there's no government. The government and peace, there shall be no end. Come on, Holy Spirit, come and move. Shame in hell in Jesus' name. 
shadow the darkness, feel like to somebody in this room, I really believe that God is just saying, you feared their faces long enough. You feared their faces long enough. You feared their faces long enough. I am faithful and true to my word. I will deliver. I will set you free. I will break the bondage, the depression, the hurt, the pain. Open your heart. Let the king reside. Oh, don't fear the faces. Don't fear the faces. Don't fear. Come on, don't fear that there's something powerful, the Holy Spirit, church. Don't fear what people are going to think or say. There's something powerful, the Holy Spirit. Oh, there's a deep desire. Deep calls out to deep. There's a deep desire inside of you. The Spirit cries out, Holy Spirit. The Spirit cries out, come, 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 come. The Spirit inside cries out. Daddy, hear our heart. Hear our cry. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Do what only you can do. Fill us to overflowing top to bottom, inside and out. Let your fruit grow. Let your gifts come. Let your power manifest. Let your presence shine. Let the darkness be shattered and then let the light glow. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise. Come on, church, if this is what you desire, if this is what you need, if this is what you're calling out to God for, just say, dear Lord God, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Send me. Here I am. Fill me. Here I am, God. I love you. I praise you, Jesus. Daddy, for every hand up, every heart open, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you are filling, that you are overflowing, that there's a river of life springing up from within, in Jesus' name, that people are receiving even now, not tradition, not religion, but the power of the living God. We choose to walk in it this week, God. We choose to walk in it. Devil, you're a liar. Jesus, you're the king. Let the river of life flow in Jesus' name. And together in faith we say amen. Come on. Amen, 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 and amen. Hallelujah. Amen, Lord God. Hallelujah. Ooh. Ooh. Hey, we got this 
One more thing to do in church before we go today. We're going to respond by the giving of our offerings. Pastor Lisa is going to come. If you could just be seated for a moment. But don't worry. We're going to leave with one more shout of uh, worship before we go. Worship team is going to come in just a second. We're going we're gonna to re-sing. We're going to re-worship that song we started with today. Because can't nobody, what? Do me like Jesus. Amen. Good morning, church. It is good to be with you today. I just want to take a minute to lead us in our tithes and offerings as we continue to worship God, right? We continue to worship Him even with our finances. And there are three ways that you can do that today to help you. There are some envelopes that are all around that you can take. You can fill that out and then place it in those beautiful kiosks at the door as you leave. Or you can go online to theconnectchurch.com or CCB. And finally, the last way, which I'm going to say every single time, I'm always amazed by this. You can pull up your phone, zoom in to the QR code right there, and it will take you directly to it. And as you do that, I have a quick little story to share with you. As most of you may know, we have a little six-year-old daughter, Olivia. And she has been taking swimming lessons recently, okay? If anyone's ever done swimming lessons, she was doing so good learning all the things. She was learning how to kick her legs. She was learning how to do her bubbles. But the one thing that she really struggled with was putting her head fully under the water. And every time she did good, she would go a little bit. And then she just, you know, she felt more comfortable going like this. And so she would go down. Every single time she got everything else, she did her arms, she did her legs, and her instructor kept saying, Livy, you need to put your head fully under the water. I've got you. I'm right here beside you. You're not going to drown. Trust me. But she kept putting her head up, kept putting it up. And finally, finally, one day, she was at the practice, and she put her head fully under the water, took a breath, put it fully under and you know what happened she went gliding across that pool and had the biggest smile on her face and you know church sometimes we're like that right god is like obey me fully even in finances trust me i'm here with you i've got you i know it seems scary to put your head under that water but i've got you i know it seems scary to tithe when you've never done it but i've got you and i want to read a verse real quick it's in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring the tenth part, the tenth, into the storehouse, into your church, so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says God. See if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out good things for you until there is no more need. So church, who's ready? Who's ready to put our heads fully under the water? keep doing that it seems scary but God's got us he's right there with us he is not going to let you drown right church thank you for giving thank you for trusting him church let's pray heavenly father we thank you lord God I thank you that you're not just that instructor who comes with us to help us for an hour or whatever time you are our heavenly father you're our papa you're our best friend you are with us every single minute lord you never leave us you will not let us drawing lord 
And God, help us to obey your word. Lord, whether we've known you for years, whether we've known you for two months, it can seem scary, Lord, in the natural. And God, I thank you that you know that. You understand. You've given us your Holy Spirit right to be with us, right within us. That every time we say, I don't think I can do it. I don't think so. I don't think I can put my head fully under the water. I might drown, God. What if I tithe and I can't pay my bills, Lord? What if I trust you in these relationships? Lord, I feel like you're leading me to do this and I trust you and it goes wrong. What if, God? What if? And God, I thank you that you're saying, I want you to glide. I have the best for you. I love you. So, Lord, help us to trust you today. We give you our finances. We give you our tithes and offerings, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Woo! So good. Oh, Lisa, that was brilliant. Hey, team, can you guys come? Church, can we just stand for a moment? We're going to... We don't always do this, but I just feel like today, before we go, I want to just worship one last time. I want to just take a moment and, and seal in our spirit what we just heard and proclaimed with our prayer and in the Word. That there's no one like Jesus, not one, not one. He's the only one. There's no one like Jesus. He's the only one. There's no one like Jesus. He's the only one. Sometimes we got to seal that inside of ourselves. And the best way to do that sometimes is in praise. So can we just praise together? Can we, pr- can we praise together? You got two or three more moments? Can we praise together? Come on, God's worthy of our praise. There's no one like Jesus. Come on. Yes, Lord. We're going to say, search and I found nobody like Jesus. Yes. Because I searched and I found no one like you, Lord. We have searched and we found that there's no one on heaven or on earth like you. I searched and I found nobody like Jesus. I searched and I found nobody like Jesus. I searched and I found I searched and I
in our life. May this proclamation become our praise this week. There's nobody, nobody, nobody like you, Jesus. We give you the glory and the honor, the power, and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, church. We love you. Be filled with his presence. Take it to the streets. See you next week.